welcome to the Kazabru Show! What is up, brother Kaz? Life is good. Two weeks in a row. We are we are here to talk the greatest sport of all time, b-ball, and I'm loving every second of it. The greatest sport, b-ball, and, and all sorts of fun stuff to talk about here on this Saturday morning. I felt like we should have hit record about 10 minutes ago. We had a really great Hall & Oates conversation. I had never had a Hall & Oates conversation. I didn't even know who Hall or Oates was. I know. It was a little disappointing, but... but, but um. Should it surprise you, though? I, I don't know anything about music, Cos. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I got a few tricks. Basketball and uh, dot, dot, dot. I don't have to round that game out. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't know music. I just, like, don't pursue music. Music finds me, man. Ooh, I like that. Music finds me. I like that. Yeah, no. Did it- you ever- there was a good Jimmy Kimmel he did and like they had, they were outside of like Coachella and they were just making up names of bands and like so they'd be like well, who are you here to see and they'd be like oh I'm here to see like Beyonce and this person that person and they'd be like well how about um not my soda can are you excited about that and you're like yeah, yeah I'm really excited and they're like well, what is it that you like and they're like oh like you know their vibe it's, it was so funny <laughs> Totally make you know because all the new bands nowadays have those like kind of crazy names and be like, oh you know, uh, are you, how excited are you to see uh, my favorite shoehorn? Oh yeah, I, I, I'm excited. I've heard a lot about them. <laughs> it was so funny. I feel like he's got that bit anytime he wants. He could just go out front of the studio and do that for anything. For anything, totally. People hate not being in the loop. They really do. Ah. Yeah, no, they they don't, and 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 you know we want you guys to be in the loop about everything that's going on in the NBA, even though there ain't nothing going on in the NBA except for excitement over a possible future question mark. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. What a teaser! I know, I know. That's why I make the big bucks. Cause the uh, <laughs> the NBA season is just sort of hanging in limbo, and we're kind of getting to that point. I had a guy that knows stuff. We we'll put the air quotes around that. And the NBA um, messaged me, and, and he felt like that the uh, that the D Day for all of this was coming up next month in the middle of the month, where mm-hmm. d- decisions just have to be made on all this stuff. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk about what that's all going to look like because it's really interesting on so many different levels. I mean, we could spin in any direction we want talking about that stuff. Um, but we we do kind of have to talk, I think, about the Last Dance. Uh, we we went big last show. I mean, we spent the entire show talking about it. And I think that actually kind of mirrors the experience of watching episodes one and two. It was very excited. It felt like they could go all these different directions. And then episodes three and four, I don't know about you, Cause, but I thought they were good but not great. Uh, yeah, I thought that, um, not, yeah, that, you know, they stuck with, you know, for the fourth one, they pretty much just stuck with the, the, tail end of the you know with the detroit dynasty and kind of that how that how phil jackson came into the fold um and three i'm trying to remember those of the Rod, rodman introduction big rodman introduction uh, and i i thought they could have really dove into a bunch of cool rodman stuff yeah uh, but they didn't and i kind of think i understand why now so a week later is that they didn't want to turn it into the rodman show uh, well 
it but, is uh, it is Michael Jordan's uh, documentary. So. Well, that's been the kind of, you know, it's not really out. I think everybody sort of gave this, you know, uh, round two, if you will, sort of wanted to continue with the excitement. Very grateful for the show that we're all watching. And it is very good. Yeah. Um, but there's undertones. Now, I think the bar is set pretty high for this week. Like people are going to want to see something that really meets the hype of the yeah. show. And uh, they didn't get that. And I think the complaint has been that this has been a Michael Jordan production. And yeah. so here we are. Um, and, and that's, you know, uh, you know, Ken Burns, the great, you know, uh, documentary filmmaker. You know, he said he hadn't seen it. He's, he's ca- catching hell, but I don't know why. He, he said he hadn't seen it, but he said that it's it's definitely lacking. If Michael Jordan's production company is a partner in it. It's 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 a cardinal sin, and and they'd be lack and they're lacking um, in journalistic integrity, and so people are like, well, how could you say that you haven't even seen it and stuff? But you know, for you know, if you're gonna take a topic like this, the one way you can really dive into anything is to have no ties, you know, and so like they've, if the tie is this is gonna be seen through the eyes of Michael Jordan, and he's the only one maybe that's gonna come out of this looking good. You can only do so much. So, you know, th- I think that kind of adds to a little bit of why these, the three and four fell a little flat, you yeah. know, because it's, it's definitely propping up Michael Jordan hero a lot more than the previous two episodes, did, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and and, and it's, but it's hard to f- kind of figure out where exactly that's, that's occurring um, there's sort of an, a, a preponderance of evidence that's that's showing him in a good light. I didn't find one moment where I was like, ah, yeah, you know, that doesn't seem right. Like they're completely just, you know, they're they're, they're in the tank for Michael in this particular is- instance. But I think it's the absence of diving into deeper issues. I mean, we start to see characters throughout the show um, this this weekend last that you know might start to to move in and some of those topics that were exciting to us. Like, I kind of want to know to what extent Michael's narcissism, you know, um, impacted everybody around him. You know, yeah. he, he didn't have a lack of success. I mean, he won every time, you know, after the Pistons. So like there, that's, I think what makes it tough is, is there wasn't sort of a downfall of, of this uh, hero in, in this movie. Um, you know, a road to sort of travel around, but that the, the signs are, are are there everywhere. You know that right. the, that the narcissism was driving a lot. And same thing with Dennis Rodman. Like, you know, they kind of just surface level covered him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you follow Dennis Rodman, you know, um, if you've read any of his books or anything like that, you just know how complex a character he is. Yeah, and they sort of reduced it to a Vegas trip. <laughs> which was hilarious yeah i would have liked to see them dive a little bit more into um you know his work ethic some of his off-season stuff is you know pretty pretty legend you know um you might get sick thinking about some of the stuff he did um but i think it's funny like you know what, what's really cracking me up is like the internet's reaction to you know to isaiah thomas and to like um what was the other thing that was like, people are like, you know, cause then like they said, well, who are the best, who's your top five best players you played against? And I think you put Jordan at 
like at four, I think everyone's like flipping out. And it was like, well, dude, like he had in front of him Kareem, Magic and Bird. Like he spent the majority of his career getting the crap beat out of him by those guys. He didn't spend most of his career getting beat by Michael Jordan. You know, that, that wasn't that wasn't the, the the majority of his career. So, like, you know, I, I don't understand why, you know, people are like flipping out that he would hold. And we're not talking about average guys that he has in front of him. Like, it's a, you know, it's not like he said, like, oh, you know, uh, you know, Adrian Dantley and Alex English uh, are way better than Michael Jordan, you know, like, it's Kareem Magic and Larry. Like. That's not a that's not an unreasonable thing. <laughs> Isaiah is easily one of the most polarizing people in the NBA landscape. I mean, and he's the, one of the clearest um, examples of what Twitter thinks and then what like reality land thinks. Um, and what I mean by that is Twitter hates him for the stuff with the Knicks. It hate they hate him yeah. for his sort of general disposition. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way that he kind of covers the games and you know, there's, there's all that right there. And then on the flip side, Isaiah gets all the good gigs, you know, with NBA TV, he's just sort of a, a fixture despite a lot of this stuff that's going on in the background. Cause he's got the respect of players from that era mm-hmm. and, and respect of people in the league to keep him around, you know? And, yeah. um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a real he, he got hit hard in <laughs> this documentary. Yeah, like, hit real hard. The, the, the Jordan quote, uh there's no way you can convince me he wasn't an asshole. Yeah. I, but I I thought his ex they did it they did it uh, actually what I did appreciate was when they showed, you know, they showed John Paxson saying like I could remember clearly uh them shaking the Pistons' hands when when they beat the Pistons. And Isaiah's like, no. He's like, they were walking off the court, and you see Bird and them actually, you know, doing pretty much exactly what the Pistons did. And then he's like, I had to stop Kevin McHale and grab him, and then and that's how that handshake, you know, happened. So I, I did think it was funny because I don't know if you saw the interview. There was, you know, during the week. Bill Lambeer said, you know, he's the one all these years everyone's been saying that, you know, it was Isaiah, you know, organized it. But then a couple of years ago, Bill Bill Lambeer came out and said, no, it was my idea. And then he said this week, he was like, hey, listen, we were we were playing the game within the rules at the time. And all the Bulls did for years was whine and complain and, did, you know, just beat people. So he was saying that, like, the the him come them him saying we're not going to shake their hands was because they weren't sportsmen just because they should. If you shake someone's hand and then you walk off the court and say, oh, they cheat, they do this, they do that, do this, it's not really sportsmanship. So from his perspective, they weren't good sportsmen. So they were just, they were just you know, kind of giving it back to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could take it or leave it, but it's a, it's a completely legitimate position in my opinion. So, you know, I, I think that people are trying to rewrite because of this documentary and because of Jordan's popularity. They're trying to rewrite the history of you know, <laughs> history of people and whatnot. You know, well, uh, well that's what this um, that's what this series is doing. It, it's really it's it's fun to watch play out on Twitter because you you have people who are very anti that era. They're very anti um, the way the game was played. They're they're just you know they're younger generally and 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 they they don't like the idea that you can't 
say that this player now, whoever it might be, is uh, better than these players from the different eras. And so this sort of like era-based conversations going on out there. But the, the, the juxtaposition of how that game was played, um, the, the sort of the anger and the tenacity and the football-like nature of the way the game was played. I mean, we, I, I, I'm, we were trained to foul people hard. Yeah. In the event that they had a free run at the hoop. Like, I mean, just make sure they don't make the bucket. (laughs) There was no criteria other than don't punch somebody in the face. Right. I mean, elbows were generally bad. um, But if you could just club somebody with your forearm, that was like totally normal. Not even you you go, you play in a youth basketball game. You wouldn't even get a flagrant foul. Right. For that kind of behavior. And so the idea that anytime Michael Jordan ran to the rim, that he got put on his butt, um, or that teams aren't hand, that they're not doing handshakes at the end of one of those games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it's pretty funny. Like, because, I mean, the stuff that you're watching is like, not only like that last they showed, like, you know, when they were desperate and Scottie Pippen drives in and Robman fouls him really hard and then pushes him as well. You know, and that was just a common foul. Like he would be probably, he would have been thrown out of the game and probably suspended. This is also (laughs) an era when, so like across sport, like baseball, like you would have been like yelled at if you didn't. And I actually got instructed to throw a baseball at somebody's head many times, whether or not I could actually get it to go that direction. Right. (laughs) Uh, always a point of contention between me and my coaches. <laughs> um, the the brushback pitch. I mean, just like a common thing. Um, and and in in football, I mean, there was obviously so many hits or videos glorifying hits on quarterbacks and and things like that. Hockey, like fighting, yeah. is still a part of the rules. Back then, it was just like yeah. something that you just did all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, the idea that that there's um, there was that there was some sort of like uh, sportsmanship rule. I mean, yeah, players had sportsmanship back in the day, but I don't know. I think that was kind of the peak of pushing the rules for flagrant fouls. Sort of like the way that like teams now look at analytics, they go, "Okay, I want to get any edge I can get." I think that era really pushed the limit on what you could do to a player within the rules of the game. And it and it's it's really funny because like you know again the league has clearly done away with this. They had the opportunity to do away with it back then and and it's cuz this this lasted a while like the Knicks played not probably as not quite as physical but pretty much. Pretty they didn't they didn't like go to the face as much as those Piston teams did. And they weren't as talented offensively, but them and the Heat also play. I mean, this this lasted until the mid nineties. <laughs> you know, this kind of like hand checking, serious hand checking, riding a guy, no no layup, you know, no no matter what, that lasted for quite some time. So like this now, like again, this like a rewriting of like they want to make it seem like the Pistons were this <laughs> random team in this vacuum. Everyone else was playing hunky dory, <laughs> and I, the Pistons just came out clotheslining people. <laughs> I, I kind of wonder um, what 
the impact of like fantasy stay stay with me here people fantasy football when when fantasy football hit the NFL it exploded the NFL like the the growth in the game of the NFL is directly tied to when fantasy uh, mm-hmm. applets started covering live stats so like people were watching the game and also playing it at the same time so this NFL explosion happened you know probably what like late 90s early 2000s where it really took off and I kind of wonder if the NBA said at that point in time hey look people clubbing each other over the heads in these low scoring games and you know all of this didn't lead to certain rule changes that now make the game a little more high scoring and you know depending on how you like your basketball um, right I don't know if I like it or not well, <laughs> I, I mean, that's a, that's another podcast but there's something to be said for the for the movement to a point, you know. But you know I, what I I can't stand the like okay a guy falls hard, you didn't call a flagrant it's a foul, and then you look to the the monitor, and now you're gonna throw him out the game. Like if it didn't if it wasn't a flagrant it wasn't even a flagrant in real time. I mean everything looks worse on slow motion. You know, well, but you know now, now it's it's gone, it's gone too far with and, with. And I don't want to hide. This. I don't want to hijack it, which I just did with you. But like, I don't want to hijack this by going into the James Harden stuff. But there, there's yeah. the, the, this is the like, there's people who are. It's a battle for the soul of the game of basketball, and people like look at this stuff with Michael Jordan. They go, man, that was freaking great. Like yeah. these teams are killing each other out there, and we like that. And now it's like. How can I adjudicate this rule? You know, what's the gather step? I don't know if you saw the video of the guy doing this weird ass gather step. Uh, I, I don't know what league he was like overseas or something, but it was like the the first gather was like this big long jump, like that you would associate with a long driving layup. But because he had taken the gather step at the right time, he's able yeah. to take this long broad jump basically, and then finish it off with a running two step. <laughs> and all these technicians yeah. of the rules are on the internet that's not a travel and it's like oh crap you yeah. know like what We're, are we doing here it is turned it has turned highly skilled basketball players into like the type of law firms that are looking for a specific case that, that'll go up the ladder to the supreme court so they can change a law you know it's like it's, it's literally what like, like what's going on right now this world's going to crap. Uh, all right, so let's go. I want to get uh, some quick hits here because there was some pretty funny stuff. Do you see Jerry Krause dancing? Oh boy, that's like you can't miss that. Like that's dude. And how 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 things changed? You know, like he's in the back of the bus hanging with the fellas, dancing <laughs> around, and then the other, then he's by seven years later they're cursing his ass. <laughs> Somebody had a great tweet. It was like the he dances like he's Frank Reynolds. <laughs> Who's Frank Reynolds? From Sonny in Philly, Danny DeVito. Oh. <laughs> uh, what else we had? We had some Phil stuff. I don't know if anything with the Phil was really revelatory for me. Um, I thought, uh, I, I did think it was, uh, <laughs> I did love that Puerto Rican league where like when you went to the other town, they put the blood of dead chickens on the bench. <laughs> did you catch that part? I, you know that? Yeah, I did catch that part. And, uh, because, like, if you listen to like the Tom Tolbert show, he's always talking about like the difference when you when you play in any any other country, you know, any other sport. So no matter who he's talking to, if they have experience in any in some other country, 
they always start talking about their crazy experiences and like, you know, talking about like, you know, people smoking at halftime in the locker room and all sorts of stuff. I, I have a great <laughs> photo of, uh, was it Nanad Kirstik? Nanad? Nanad? What was, I forget his name. He, he's got a chair. He's going WWE during one of those, the, the crowd joins the fight type scuffles. <laughs> and he's hitting the guy over the head with a chair. And it's just like, you know, there's a great book out there, too. Um, if you want to uh, learn about the Filipino leagues, uh, it's called Pacific Rims. They love their basketball. Um, and, and we know that over at Hoopball. They're, uh, they, they in Australia fight for three and four on the country's list. Um, for for popularity um but that, they they go through all that stuff i mean it's the backroom deals the, the on the fly stuff and you know all the stuff american players go through and and you know who's got a good story that that we should probably not talk about here but like stephen marbury um oh. do, doing what he's doing over in china it feels like he's really embraced just the the whole country and, and, and the opportunity there and, and had a really unique second career over there. Yeah, but, yes, he did. Um, now, Phil, I, I just, you know, they, they go through his upbringing and they, they, you know, he's from Great Falls, Montana, which I've got family up in that area. And all I can say for that is like, it's just wide open up there. <laughs> like th- that you, um, you could see people, you know, like wanting to get away from that and, and go to the big city. You could see people not wanting to do that, you know, that are from Montana as a whole. And, and that he has this um, kinship with Native American uh, religion and, and Zen Buddhism. It doesn't really show much in these episodes, but his journey being weird and starting in Puerto Rico and then coming into this coaching uh, opportunity. They did get into the Tex winner stuff and then they yeah. did get uh, into Doug Collins quite a bit, which I was, I was interested in that. And I that, see, I would have liked to, because they didn't like push him when they're like, when they, when they like, they asked them, you know, did you sense that he was going to take over? And he was like, yeah, I sensed it the second year. And they like, didn't, he's like, he just asked them like, well, what made you think that? And he's just like, he didn't want to get into it because, you know, he's still, on, he still, I think, works for the, he still does games and stuff. And he wants to maybe keep his relationship with the NBA. But, I mean, most people hate Phil Jackson. So I would have, I wanted to hear, like, yeah, dude, he was going behind my back. He was, call- I wanted to hear all that stuff that <laughs> Phil was probably doing, you know, that he was, you know, kind of, you know, it happens all the time in sports where, you know, he, he didn't, he wasn't brought in by Doug Collins. He was brought in by management. So I wanted to hear exactly why, why did you sense that? You know, <laughs> like, why did you sense that? Were people coming, walking off the floor and going directly to him and asking him questions? And, you know, well, and, and, and Michael I, was in support of him. So there was that dynamic as well. And Kraus is the interesting character for me. I, I would like to know more about Kraus just in general, because it's it's almost like the idea of the triangle was the next, not analytics, but just sort of, hey, basketball's played this way, but let's do it this way. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to zag when everybody zigs. And it feels like Krauss really latched onto that. And both Michael and Collins were like, no, Michael's going to shoot it 30 times a game. And we're going to just go with that. And, yeah. and they, you know, they both ended up seeding that ground 
and and to great effect. They it was a great decision, and and so Kraus becomes this interesting character. Um, the, the I think the thing that still dominates this, and we'll probably spin out of this here. The uh, the thing that dominates this this show is is not only the music but the highlights and some of the stuff like when you mentioned earlier Dennis Rodman like you wish they had brought more of his work ethic and his training the stuff that I found fit, just perfect was his rebounding um, approach that they, they they did spend about five minutes on yeah he came into the league and he's like I have one way that I can stick around and that's yeah. by being this guy. Yeah. And he, he, that, I mean, I'm trying to think of great examples in the league right now that, that you could tell that the player is like, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I don't get them, you know, like I'm thinking of like a Reggie Evans almost that obviously isn't in the same breath as, as a Dennis Robbins. So just that, that somebody with his athleticism and his motor was like, okay, I'm going to figure out the trajectory on the basketballs, you know, make that my yeah. only thing. That's, yeah. To maybe me, it's too, us a bit, maybe, you know, kind of just was like, you know, I'm not going to score 20 points a game, but, you know, he was bigger. You know, he was a lot bigger than Dennis Rabbit, you know. Um, yeah, not not really. I mean, well, I think about that for every most players in the league. <laughs> like, well, I, I, th- I think of every every seven footer that doesn't have one uh, doesn't have a hook shot. <laughs> God. I mean, just a little baby could, hook yeah keep you in the league you know <laughs> well it it seems like low hanging fruit like and and it almost yeah. seems like that's why it worked out for him as he was like nobody else is doing this so i'm going to i'm just going to do this so uh that was um it was it was all very interesting we're going to see how it goes for this upcoming week um i don't i saw a little bit of um preview stuff but i i, I don't know if i'm I, if i think it's going to be you know if it's going to meet the high bar so we're, that's that's the interesting thing for me, I guess, is will the will the documentary meet the high bar yeah. that everybody's it, setting it, right now? You know, since they're getting into the, um, they're going to be getting into the dream team. You're going to see more Isaiah bashing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, which really is, I mean, that's I mean, just a, as a last thing. I mean, regardless of who, because it's been said that you know Magic and Larry also didn't want him on the thing. Like Isaiah Thomas was so good it's almost like a it's almost like an invalidation of the dream team to not have him on there he was also like, a superstar in the sense that like i mean they made him like this was back when there was like 10 channels they made a yeah. um a, a mini series about his life growing yeah. up yeah like, they, they, they were doing that for nba players you know right. at the time right. and so i mean he was that gold standard of of an NBA name right next to Magic Johnson, you know? Absolutely. And the credit, the, the, like I've seen like, you know, somebody else put a list up there. Uh, I think Perkins or something had a, had a list. <laughs> That's my reaction. Anytime you say Perkins. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it was like a best point guards. And I think he had Isaiah, but he had like, you know, Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul, Chris Paul over uh, staff and all this stuff. And it was like, you know, I hear like, I hear a, a ton of Chris Paul comparisons, like to, to Isaiah all the time. And I'm like, it, it's just like, I, I don't know. I just don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. Like Isaiah Thomas was the best player on a team that went to three finals in a row and, and won two of them in a league with magic Larry and Michael. 
it's what 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 about Chris Paul even remotely sings to that? Is it's actually that's the split right there. It's it's the the um the killer instinct focused on beating your 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 opponent um not through trickery. Right. <laughs> but beating them to the point where you can kind of like kind of stand over them and say you you lost, get off the court. Right, you know, not not like whatever the flop was or whatever. Maybe just chuck the ball from like half court because he thought he got fouled. Or I mean, can you imagine one of those? Okay, we got to get off this. Can you imagine a piston actually like faking like they got elbowed in the face like that? Just <laughs> like on some, on a on a swing of an elbow that misses by like a foot. You know. Like, Anyway, all right. So, you know, we got another half of the podcast to go here. We're going to talk about some of the, the the situations in the movie The Way Back with Ben Affleck, which I watched last night. And let's take 30 minutes and really flesh this out. It was good. It was good. It was really good. I got to say. It is. And it's. Oh, oh, okay. I know what you're talking about now. Oh, they, you like they, they had a hard time landing the airplane at the end. And it, keep your expectations sort of like. Not low. Yeah, you know, there's too many storylines, and they they, you know, they try to give treatment to each storyline, and it's like, yeah, you know, you lost control, and you couldn't land the airplane. But the, uh, you yeah, know, it was good. It was good. It, okay. it was pretty good. Like, So that's it. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of uh, shows, we just pounded through um, – a a show on Netflix called um, Never was it called Never Have I? So it's like the creation of the you know Mindy Kaling from uh, Oh yeah, the Mindy Show. So she so this show it's about this Indian girl <laughs> and she's lived in America and just her teenage life. It is so funny and the best the absolute stealer of the of the show is the narrator is john McEnroe, and it's amazing whoa okay it is amazing dude because like most of these shows have a narrator it's an actor and they like add something to he's just reading it it's awesome <laughs> he's just reading <laughs> it's great it's a great show though all right your story might have been better than mine um basketball let's talk some basketball this is a this is a new thing basketball. Um, so you're starting to see a few things. I mean, so we got the we got the COVID situation. Obviously, you're starting to see things like what if we did this? What if we did that? You're starting to see traction on an idea of possibly doing this at Disney World in Florida. Um, Vegas has. Oh, really? Oh yeah, yeah. That's the leading one because. And I think I might have said this a long time ago, so I'll toot the horn here, um, that they got to put everybody in a bubble, right? Like, if you're going to sure. do this, uh, you know, so, like, the the, the, the draw to the, to the Disney thing is that it's private property. They can tell people to get lost, and they've got all these different hotels, and they got just kind of different buildings that they can do this in. And they can come, almost like a little mini Olympics kind of a setup. Um, but you've uh, got the space there to do it. Another one was Vegas and MGM, actually. I don't know how much validity there is to this, but there was at least news reports that they had offered the NBA their, I don't want to say their whole, whole hotel, but like to block off significant portions of the hotel uh -huh. and, 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 and go there. That's hilarious because of the, the way that the, the mayor of Vegas. <laughs> is ready to use anybody that goes to Vegas as a um, test case for yeah. community <laughs> spread. 
<laughs> you know, before COVID really hit hard, it was out there in the news and, you know, starting to take a few precautions here and there. Um, <laughs> like, I got a buddy who's like, hey, let's go play some blackjack. Yeah. So we were going to go play blackjack and it got to be that Sunday and both of us got cold feet because it was like, yeah. I mean, especially where we were going to go play. It was like, I mean, not people aren't in the greatest of health, <laughs> to put it like that. And, yeah, right. but I mean, like sitting in that kind <laughs> of process. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Here locally. <laughs> just just okay, the okay. card room here locally. Uh, okay. It, but I mean, like you're just swapping chips back and forth. You're doing all right. this stuff. It's just the, the worst idea in the world. So I don't think the Vegas thing will fly ever. No. Um, I mean, unless there's just like a nationwide all clear at some point, um, you know, with, with uh, a vaccine being a big deal, testing yeah. being a big deal, and then the the levers of the world sort of being a big deal here because, you know, at some point the the finances really do push the the policy. They're already pushing the policy, but you know, whether you're shut everything down forever until there's not one case, or you're on the other side, you know, picketing about your rights being trampled on because you yeah. can't, you know, leave your couch and all that there's there's a there's a middle point that's going to force like my guy in the nose like you know mid-june is going to make you got to make choices about are we going to do an old season or this last season and then what are we going to do next and it feels to me like december is going to be that time that they target next season's start and if, if, if they get bad news that it gets pushed back you know, to January, February, and then they they might at that point, if they that if the news was really that bad and they really couldn't make a bubble idea work or anything like that, that then maybe they would have by then canceled the season and put a big asterisk on it, you know, and yeah. and just taken one, you know, not for the team but just sort of taking their lump. So, um, if they do have a, a finishing out of the last season and a playoff associated with that. You know, I, I think you're probably looking in that July, August, September range. Right. And this brings in just all sorts of cool basketball stuff to talk about. Um, you, you've got even a report I think I just saw today of Kevin Durant possibly wanted to get back into the mix if, um, you know, the season is is uh, played out. Now, I would have to look and see if they use some sort of a medical exception on him if he's eligible to play. I hadn't even cross my mind i don't you know i feel because that was a question they that was asked earlier um in the season and they did not um they just said he's not gonna play he's not gonna play but i don't i don't believe that they ever have used that i do believe he is eligible yeah i mean it wouldn't i I believe he's eligible yeah because i don't think they were pushing their chips in the middle for cash reasons this year so you know that's kind of why you would try to get that exception but um they're, they're the seven so yeah, you know, if, you, if, you, if you throw him back in there they're really far but they're, really they're not far gonna off. win anything but they in the right matchup oh, i don't know i mean I, yeah i mean that's the word i mean it's, it's always about matchups i mean if you they're gonna right now be locked up against um toronto which would be tough but i think this is a clear scenario where I think they're a much more dangerous team with a healthy K- 
Kevin Durant and without Kyrie. So I, I think that it would be the best, you know, having him and Kyrie to me, I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum, but I think without Kyrie, I think that this is a pretty um, interesting lineup that could cause a lot more trouble. It's a long lineup. I mean, yeah. even if you say that DeAndre Jordan's, you know, over the hill or whatever, but, you know, pairing him with Jared Allen and, and then you throw right. KD at the four, you got Levert, you got Dinwiddie. Yeah. I mean, you got Joe Harris also doing whatever Joe Harris can do. There's a lot of things to like about that team. So each team has something like this going on to some degree. Yeah. Um, you got LeBron out there, you know, sitting there in the one slot comfortably. And his his he made his position known he wants to play and, and he wants another chance at a chip. But he, his like when I look now and I reset, I go, okay, am I still on the Clippers? You know, um, we got this weird scenario here where there's going to be a rushed return and, you know, Kawhi's a little bit weird with his injury stuff. And where's Paul George at? Is his shoulder healed up? What are, you know, what are they doing with Marcus Morris? You know, is he going to be able to gel in this situation? And then I look over at LeBron and I go, man, you know, LeBron's done this 5 million times. And yeah, Anthony Davis, we can start to pick away at, at you know, his experience, but which team is going to pull it together and, and, you know, do it in a short window to, to pull together a playoff run and, and win it all. And I, and I kind of, I give the Lakers a lot more credibility in a weird scenario, you know? Uh, you know, I think that I would probably still be on the first <laughs> just because I think their pieces still fit so much better than the Lakers, you know? So like all continuity, these are both relatively new teams to each other. And the, and the Clippers just fit better. Like, the pieces on the floor just fit better. Like, the, the Lakers still, in a shortened season especially, I feel like their 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 roster construction becomes more of an issue because you're really trying to force, like, you know, the, the Rondo stuff and, like, where are you going to get this guy minutes and that guy minutes. And It's I, always I, the I, Rondo stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I just feel, you know, like, no, I mean, I, and I and I feel bad, but, like, when you look at them, I mean, I haven't watched the Lakers this year when, like, they've had a good lineup out there where Rondo comes in for Caruso or Avery Bradley, and they've been better. It's, it always goes there. Like, if they have LeBron on the floor and one of those other guys is in, and then they put in Rondo, it always the, falls the thirty for thirty on Rondo you know, is like, going to be fascinating. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> how I calm the world. <laughs> the Rajon Rondo story. <laughs> I didn't get in the way of three Hall of Famers. Now everybody thinks I'm great. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the, the uh, so the, the the Lakers they have those issues. I'm probably still with the Clippers just to throw that out there. I the one I worry about the most is Paul George. He was so I mean the the time off will help his hamstring injury and his, give his shoulders time to heal back up and and all of that, but for for a guy that was always billed as a really good number 2, yeah. He didn't have that experience probably due to the injuries, but it's it, you, you just have a little question mark in your head. If you haven't seen it, is he going to be able to get back? And then and you throw in the condensed weirdness of the COVID uh, situation, and maybe it gets a little bit worse. So 
whereas I was pretty confident in the Clippers. I might be a little less confident. So that's one thing. And then on on the back end of this Western Conference playoff chase, you have the, the Grizzlies who would get healthier, you know, um, because of the delay. They would get their young players back, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, We'll be good to go. Now, nobody's going to pick them against the Lakers. So, so that's not, um, you know, that's not worth really thinking about. But the chase group in that group is, is kind of interesting. You get Portland. Um, you know, you get the, the Damian Lillard factor. He was banged up. He'll get a little healthy. Those yeah. guys are all like three games, three, four games out. Mm-hmm. So a lot will come down to if they try to play all of the regular season remaining games or if they only do a subset. So that's interesting. Um, In that chase group, you get New Orleans. New Orleans versus LA, 1-8 would be hilarious. Yeah. Um, The Kings somehow are in this group, and they would be a terrible eight seed. Um, And then you get San Antonio, which they have a terrible team, but you know if they actually were to make a move, <laughs> then everybody would be oh, but it's the Spurs, so you know. So that one eight situation is is odd. And then as you go down the the list, you you get um, Dallas is is somehow in in a um, you know they're a unique team being you know uh, super superstar driven. They would right now be locked up with the Clippers in the first round. Uh, there is wiggle room throughout all these standings here. Um, the the Denver kind of the three six bunch you know, like Utah OKC and Houston are all within a game of each other so those positions are all up for grabs as right. far as, as who would face who uh, injury wise you're you're looking at like you know Utah would get Rudy Gobert a little bit of time off so he could become more explosive so he they they become more of a threat yeah uh, what's up with Jokic you know, like if there was a, ever a player that could be, you know, like might come back 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those bodies, right? Yeah. I mean, he played his way. He legitimately played his way into shape over the course of the first two months of the season. So, yeah, how is that going? Um, that that could what, be really tough. What, let me ask you something. So say they do. They have a season, you know, whatever in in whatever form. Right. And then you're moving to the playoffs. Would who do you? What would you rather have? Like, did you? Would you rather have a group of veterans who could possibly be fat and had to work their way back in, making them more susceptible to injury, or like young bucks? And and in the playoffs, like, what would you rather have? Because if they're doing a bubble situation with no fans, like. That's a huge advantage for a young, inexperienced team. That when a team is going on a run, it's not going to seem as bad with it, without the crowd. Like you know, like because young teams just go crazy, right? The Warriors well, hit like two threes, and all of a sudden they're throwing the ball all over the place. And what what would be like a six zero run <laughs> because the fans are going nuts turns into a sixteen zero run, you know, and like. I feel like if when you take the fans out, you're really going to mitigate a lot of that stuff. You know, so, if if we look at the way back with Ben Affleck as a real guide here, when they were at the opposing gym and they were getting taken down and it was loud and it, it was voracious, he just told people to club the other team 
and yeah. and and it really worked out. You know, they really they got it. They turned their momentum of their season, and everybody bought in, and then they made the playoffs. So what we've learned there is absolutely nothing. Um, I think you, you're onto something here because the the something about being young and dumb, for one, here yeah. where you you you're playing with house money. It's a weird situation. Um, nobody's going to be on you. I, I don't think anybody's going to take a hit for how this goes. You know, if we have a, a, a restart and then the, you know, like whoever it is, like LeBron, he doesn't win. Like, is, are people really going to ride him for that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, like, no. So you're playing with house money. So I think these, I think these young guys, they, they like the pressure, you're right. It just is completely off. Right. And yeah. Conditioning wise, I don't know how, I mean, if you told me they're going to get four weeks to really get after it in a training camp where, you know, they, they are running hard, I'll probably go, yeah, your, your vets are going to be in shape for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Something less than that. Three weeks, two weeks. I'd be looking at the nets. Yeah. You know, (laughs) what what did uh, Paul say? Three. Yeah. At least three feels that teams would need. Yeah, um, that seemed. I mean, because yeah, you don't know like yeah, like kind of like Jokic and like Joel Embiid. I mean, like, what are these guys gonna come back looking like? That's <laughs> you the, know, that's the <laughs> number one question for each of these teams. You know, like it. I mean, like even like you know, like Steve Kerr said they're operating as if the season's over. Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, that's this, that's politicking this, to not have to go. Like, I mean, what are you gonna do? Like roll out the D League team and say that this is them? You know? Well, that's like you gotta play, bro. If they say you're gonna play, you gotta play. That's that's um. I thought that was interesting by Kerr. Like, I think, I think, I hope, I hope because I, I feel like otherwise he's putting his finger on the scale in a weird way. I hope yeah. that he's just like, look, we don't have anything to play for, so we don't care. You know, right. we just want our guys to stay healthy and learn a thing or two. And but yeah, we understand when the NBA comes calling that we're all going to come out and give our best effort because they're going to play somebody, and right. it's going to matter. And you know, to the standings, and that's the the integrity piece of this is you, you got to play at least a few games. You can't just grandfather these teams into the playoffs. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's too many weird things that you can kind of work backwards from. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, this team, they sat this guy because they were caring about the last 20 games. Yeah. You know, if they had known that it was a race to the finish, they'd have played that guy who was, you know, halfway hurt for the five games that, you know, the last five games that each team played. So there's a lot there. Um, The the, the NBA, I think, is going to – the way that I've looked at this the entire time is – they all got to make money. Like the players, especially they're, they're on the hook for BRI as well. Basketball related income. It's a factor in what they get paid. So Uh I think collectively the water will find the bottom of the boat. Everybody will try to put together a product that makes most sense given the, the health issues at play. Um, But what that looks like, you know, uh, competitively, is it, you, you do have t- 10 teams that are effectively probably tanking at the bottom of the standings. So right. how do you police that? How do you keep it from being a total race to the bottom there 
and, um, you know, under such weird circumstances. So, you know, looking at the West, I think that the, that the Lakers benefit from this, this this time off. I think it, it helps them get a little bit more fresh. I think Utah benefits. I think Houston might benefit a little bit because they're so thin. Yeah. um, I don't know about OKC. I think they're a young team that. I wouldn't want to play. Yeah. I just think they might might have lost too much momentum. They started sputtering really hard toward the end. It was almost like there was too much asked of Chris Paul and Steven Adams is like a corpse out there. (laughs) Poor guy. That's what happens if you play through every injury, you know, without ever getting off the court. Um, I I wouldn't want to play them, but I, I I wonder about a team like Denver, you know, with, with Jokic, um, a team that relies so much on one player to create the tempo for the team. That's they, they seem to me like they're at risk. So you just, uh, you just have a foregone conclusion that he's going to come back fat. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I'm well, I think every pound he brings on is like, it's worth five. It's, <laughs> it's worth five. Cause like, I mean, everybody's cutting off of him. Like what and they wait for him to lumber up the court, you know, <laughs> five five pounds on Jokic isn't like five pounds on the Russell Wilson, uh, Russell Westbrook, huh? No, no, not at all. Um, in the East, uh, can you gain five pounds though? Can you gain five pounds? I've gained like fifteen. Can Westbrook? Can oh, Westbrook. can Westbrook gain five pounds? I think, yeah, man. Like, and and I don't know. he's he's. I, don't know. I will say this. He was easily like the kind of like the thinnest him and him and KD. Um, when you see him in person, they're thin. At least when I saw him in person about four or five years ago, like you, you you're like, oh, I get it. You can fly because you weigh nothing, <laughs> and your legs are very powerful. Like it's and and I'll say this about Russell Westbrook: I've never seen a player in person with that athletic package, like he, the, the ability to change directions at high speeds. Yeah. That I, I mean, just wow. Like, and, and at his prime, um, the knee stuff has, has really dragged him down. Um, in the East, Milwaukee, a lot of different players that kind of been there, done that a little bit. Yeah. The rest is will definitely help them because it's going to help Giannis um, with the way they like to play, and, and you know Lopez and those guys are veterans. I, I don't I don't suspect that a Chris Middleton would allow himself to just like go off the deep edge. You know, like I, a guy like him has been underrated and unappreciated for so long. I I I don't think that you know he's the kind of guy that would you know just kick up his feet and, you know, have 10 bags of Doritos a day, you know, during this time. I, I would feel that this would really be beneficial for them. Uh, Philly is obviously the one I think everybody yeah. will look at. You're going to get Ben Simmons back. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and then Joel Embiid, obviously, for things that we've already alluded to. He might uh, Embiid might have to have one of those, go on one of those shows where they do like the the obese person interview like he he wouldn't shock me if he's a good like 320 
when he comes. I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if they have to like, but even like they hide him because like you said they use him in the stands as a cutout cardboard guy. They're like, where, where, they open up camp. Where's Joel? Well, <laughs> do you remember that guy that, that was at the Sixers game that they put on camera as a fan and he was like 500 pounds and he was taking his shirt off at the free. Yes, yes. And you're saying he's going to be like that. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. I mean, man, does not. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> you know, well, it's, it's, it's hard because like basketball shape is it's a level of, of, of being in shape that, man very few people get to like football players definitely get there hockey players probably get there but it's track athletes get there but yeah it's totally different it's like every muscle moving in a 360 degree you know rotating explosive up and down vertical you know just it's like everything and you can go run five miles on a treadmill every day gonna do it yeah you're just not even close yeah i don't even know what are these guys even possibly do are they doing like if you've got a big gym you know in your house and some of these guys you see their houses you're like there ain't no big gym in that house they bought that yeah. thing they didn't even think about needing a gym or well why would i need a gym i could go to the team facility and i have you know you know i'm living in la with all those exclusive places where they you know zach levine's <laughs> house looked like the house from silicon valley it was like he, he <laughs> yeah. flipped open the garage. He's like, this is where I work out. And the Bowflex is right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what, I mean, what would you even do if you had a decent-sized gym? Are you going to just, like, run little four corners in, in your gym and just, like, you know, sprint, touch the ground, run 10 steps, touch the ground, <laughs> run another yeah, I mean, 10 steps, touch yeah. the ground? like. Go in some jump squats, you know, sprint, jump squat, run backwards, you know, like what? Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Cause ran track uh, for Santa Barbara. He's a very fast man. You know, he's he's trained at this level. Like, like is Worse. there? Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, I saw something about um, Roy Williams said uh, Michael Jordan ran a 4-4-40. Four, 4-3-80, four, um, four, was it 4-3-8? Yeah. What what are you running now? What's your forty time? <laughs> My forty time, dude. If I could get a four, I'd be happy with like a four eight, I guess, or a four nine. I, I would be happy with that. The problem with I'd be afraid of starting, exploding like, out of like starting like as explosive as possible right now. It just scares the crap out of me. So never like, walk again. Yeah. Yeah, so that 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 would so forty is just not something that I'm remotely interested in ever running again. <laughs> but, but, Especially right now. Well, I mean, all kidding aside, like training wise, like what do you think these guys can do in a home gym? Yeah, I, I, not much. I mean, like I saw something with Westbrook. Look, he was on some sort of you know like volleyball court kind of thing, and he was doing some pretty interesting stuff that I think was good, you know, that was, but it's still like, I mean, it's so boring doing that kind of training too, you know, like it's easy to not train that. It's also easy to say, Oh, I'll train when they call us back to action. 
right. all get in basketball shape when we're playing five on five for three weeks. Yeah. And to some degree, they're going to be right in the sense that like the tre- the treadmill stuff doesn't translate no. to on court. So they might run on the treadmill, but it's not the same as an NBA season where, you know, by the time you get into like February, your body's hit its sort of peak because for November, December, January, you've been playing every other night ballpark, you know, every two nights right. and going 30 plus minutes of crazy basketball level cardio that you can't replace. And so Joel Embiid to bring it full circle here, his, his biggest challenge is that every time they they don't want to put him on the floor for, for big minutes because of the pounding on his knees. So they play him less minutes and it's like 20 minutes at the NBA level versus 30 minutes or something, you know, figure out the, the right numbers here, 24, 27, you know, 32 and 33, like the difference between 27 and 33 is going to actually be quite substantial in terms of somebody's conditioning. You know, it's, it's yeah. 75% of the exercise that you would have normally gotten. And he's not able to keep his weight down at 75% of what the, right. the typical NBA player is playing. And that's going to be diet. That's going to be sort of like the yeah. intensity with which he plays. Yeah, Like he the walks diet, up and down the court. Yeah, the diet thing is really where you, you you had to like, and who you know I think guys probably thought you're gonna come back faster, hmm. and so like did maybe maybe you don't do anything the first week, you know, and like because so, diet like because people you know you got to bring up Sean Kemp, how mm. he ate him, you know, and if you looked at Sean Kemp's body, you would have never thought that he could get that big, right? Like when he was at his peak, he was this this really lean guy, and then like they go on the strike, and he comes back. I think he was with Cleveland at the time, and he's just a, a fat ass. And you're like, <laughs> I didn't think that you know. Didn't Darius I, Miles get fat? I don't. Know. He might be fat now. I, I don't think when he was playing. Okay, because I always thought there was no chance he would get fat. But I kind of felt Even like he like got a, fat. Like, you know, if you look at like a Lamar Odom and stuff, like, you know, he's looked pretty big, you know, the last couple of years when I've seen him. And I would have always thought he would have had one of those. I mean, he he's introducing a lot of other stuff into his body. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, you know, like, so you don't know. You really don't know how guys, you know, what you think an ideal body type it wouldn't be affected. You really don't know. So the the diet is where you can really cut the corners, especially for a guy like, you know, a guy like Embiid. You know, like you know when the when the, when the all that Kobe Shaq stuff people were talking about. You know, and Kobe was always pissed at him for not coming in in shape. Like I understand why Shaq didn't play in the off season with those, with that kind of weight, but he could have done better eating wise. <laughs> you know, he wasn't yeah, willing to give that up. And yeah, and, and eating is something that you develop habits from as a child, you know, and it's it's really like deeply ingrained in your DNA, like oh, yeah. how you eat. And, and you see in the NBA, there's almost always a pivot point because there's a lot of money on the line. People generally, yeah. if you, you OK, I could get another contract. OK, I might pass on the carbs or whatever it is that I'm eating. And so yeah. the guys kind of they, they grow up and they can eat whatever because they're playing these 
these ungodly amount of minutes, you know, right. at all the different levels and their metabolisms are insane. And then at some point in time, around 23, 25, it changes and they, they just can't do it that way anymore. And so some of them will make the pivot and some of them won't. Um, but it's so huge. And, and, and the better you are as a player, the more leverage you have to keep your old habits, which mm -hmm. Shaq, Joel and B, you know, there you go. It's a lot. I mean, it's, there's just so many different variables with, with how this could play out, where it's located, the, the, the fact that there were fans or not, or to what degree, what music yeah. are they going to play in game? <laughs> it's a big, big deal. Big deal. I mean, in, in small markets, they're playing, you know, like pop hits from five years ago. <laughs> Party rock. There you go. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll track it all. We'll keep coming back to you guys with the, the, the latest and the greatest. Uh, hopefully we'll get a good uh, last dance here on, on Sunday. And yeah. uh, that'll give us more to talk about as the playoff picture for the NBA continues to unfold. And I will say this as we close here. We did bury the lead on one thing, Cause. Zach. So you, 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 you didn't tweet, but you Facebooked some stuff. I did. There's a good, uh, yeah, I, I shared, a, you know, Kevin Durant has been getting murdered the last couple of weeks. Like, there was one meme where it's like Kevin Durant wearing a uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. It's like, he's like, my next journey, you know, gonna go join Brady. And then the one I saw the other day was like, he's sitting there and it said like, MJ was crazy. I would have went and played with those fools in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I hope Kevin Durant gets like some TV stuff after this is all done for him because I want oh, him God. and him and Kendrick Perkins to just be mad petty on TV all day. <laughs> Kendrick Perkins, he 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 is like talking about a guy that's loving the, his like new role as like just like shit disturber man. He's just like no one would have ever wanted to listen to me ever. So I'm I'm in, I'm going all the way with it, and I'm never going back. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll we'll find some stuff to talk about. This has been great. It's been helping to get through coronavirus day seventy, whatever. I don't even know what day it is. Uh, follow us online on Twitter. We don't tweet. Twitter.com slash koz you show. Facebook.com slash koz you show, where you will receive the aforementioned greatness. Another one is in the books, cause peace. Peace.